it needs to be done. It needs to have some role models out here, but you got to be careful about the role models because some of them are just playing roles. So you got to be that inspiration of going, doing something right and moving in that right direction. I think that the community is like a puzzle and Black Wall Street is glue. We need more glue. We have the puzzle pieces. What are we going to found it with? You know, what are we going to bond it with? Reno's Black Wall Street was founded in 2020. The nonprofit was formed to meet the needs of black and underserved people of color in the Reno Sparks area. The group is regularly hosting classes, outreach events, and helping people in need. In this episode, I speak with three of the key people behind Black Wall Street. Welcome to the This Is Reno radio show and podcast. We are streaming on most all podcast platforms and Reno's own KWNK Community Radio on 97.7 FM. I am your host, Bob Conrad, with thisisreno.com. Tell, tell me or tell us about Black Wall Street. What, what is that exactly? Well, Black Wall Street, our drive is just from the injustice that we've seen, you know, in our faces bluntly the last two, three years. This is Romar Tolliver, one of the co-founders of Black Wall Street. Um, we erected the new Black Wall Street, Reno, at the time of the George Floyd murder protests. Um, we see a lot of Black Lives Matter groups, a lot of other little small organizations protesting and marching. Um, and we didn't want to waste that type of energy. So we were, we came together to kind of channel that energy into something positive and productive. We knew our lives matter. Um, and all we needed to prove it to was to ourselves, you know, that, that self-worth type thing. So, um, I reached out to Donald. He was already doing some active community work. And uh, we sat down, put our heads together. Uh, there was a couple names we had came up with, but just Black Wall Street was just more significant. It, it spoke volumes, and actually it, it was a history lesson at the same time. How so? How, how was it a history lesson? Well, it was 100 years, 2021, marked 100 years from the racial massacre of the original Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So it was kind of like a, uh, a spiritual resurrection of the people. What happened in Oklahoma? Oklahoma, it was a prominent black community where a lot of self-made millionaires, self-sustained community, um, over 1,500 houses and buildings were burnt down over a, a racial accusation. And, uh, yeah, it was a very prominent black community that was destroyed by, you know, the KKK, the racist people of that time. And um, so, so Black Wall Street... Resurrection is an empowerment of, of the people and to reinstill that pride. Um, Black Wall Street was swept under the rug, so a lot of us didn't know the significance 
of that community at that time. So it was, like I said, it was a, a resurrection of a history lesson, uh, reinstilling pride and dignity in the people. And like I said, uh, we don't need to march and protest. We just need to get the boots to the ground and start building. And you've been doing a lot of building, but what what have you been doing in the last two, three years? And we'll open this up to whoever wants to. Um, we've been doing a lot of outreaching with the suicide prevention. This is Donald Griffin, one of the founders of Black Wall Street. Um, a lot of, I don't want to say feeding, but uh, after school s- snack lunches, we're providing over 600. We're reaching out to Pine Middle School as well, so we'll have three uh, unified district schools that we're actually doing uh, after-school programs for, um, as well as uh, Reno High, where we're able to speak to the Black Student Union, over 75 all-Black students, where we can uh, bring guest speakers. Um, A lot of financial classes, a lot of um, literacy programs that we donate books to the elementaries or whatever school programs that are taken off at that time. So, yeah, we've been having our hands in a lot of things. I see you all the time, and I see you everywhere doing the outreach um, across from the schools. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and what what you're doing? Um, I remember what it was like going home with nothing at the house to eat, and it was hard to study if I was even studying at all. But um, just to provide some kids with some something to eat to go home and just them coming up, just participating in everything it just it's it's it needs to be done it needs to have some role models out here but you got to be careful about the role models because some of them are just playing roles so you got to be that inspiration of going doing something right and moving in that right direction these kids are starting to look up to us they're starting to ask questions they're starting to trust us with comes out of their mouth and they need that feedback that positive feedback so we ask about report cards we uh raffle off bikes and uh, skateboards and whatnot and when they see us there they come with open arms and they're ready to talk and a lot of that can't be a lot of those kids can't talk to their parents so now you're their superior support mentor and they value what you say so you got to make sure what you're saying is, is is feeding their germination that they're not just uh, you know, taking something in and then regurgitating something back out that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, I like what you said about peer support because we sometimes forget as we grow older what it was like to be younger. And sometimes there's an inherent rub with your, your parents. And so sometimes you have to talk with somebody outside the family or, uh, you know, an uncle or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, my my influence in the streets was stronger than any religion or my mother's words of wisdom. You know, I was influenced by my peers. So uh, I believe that whatever they mimic, what they see is hard to mimic whatever you can't see. So if you can't see a positive role model, then you're going to turn on the TV and imitate that or imitate the movies. So it, it, it means a lot to go out there and work in the community. And these kids ask you these questions and you're giving them positive feedback. You, and I may splice this in because um, uh, when the governor came and visited you, when was that, like in August maybe, Is that your old older location? Mm. You said something that, that really resonated with me. Um, I think it was something along the lines of um, we want to give the youth the kind of future that we didn't have. Talk about that a little bit. So when people was giving me guidance, either I didn't pay attention to it or I didn't see it or it wasn't strong enough for me to pay attention to 
whatever the guidance was, it wasn't, you know, I, I couldn't gravitate to it. Uh, I always thought that you had to become a man by going to prison, by doing what I, my environment was doing. And nobody ever told me that prison was a bad place. They came out with uh, trophy stories like, hey, this is how you have to be in prison. You know, only a man can make it in prison. So I thought and made in my mind that I have to go to prison. I have to be what these labels are as far as a thug, a gang member. I have to live up to this in order to survive in this environment. And that's not true. The songs, the music I was listening to, it wasn't true. These guys are graduates from college and, you know, they own businesses. They should have told me that in those lyrics. So that's what I'm giving back to the kids. Like, hey, you don't have to have the same story that I have. You don't have to go through 23 years of addiction, sitting up under a bridge, contemplating suicide with a needle on you, you know, or just the street life, you know, I, I let my, I allowed my baby mother while she was pregnant to continue to shoot up heroin and prostitute. And that's how much I was addicted to this life of this is what it is. This is all I know. I'm coming up on 42 this year. And for 23 years, all I knew how to do was run the streets, manipulate and, and lie to myself. If I can lie to myself, I knew I was going to lie to you. So I don't want those kids to take that route. You know, be honest within yourself. And if you want it, I'll show you how to get there. So fair to say you're trying to flip the script that is out there for, for a lot of folks. Yeah, I, I got a ninth grade. I, I dropped out in the ninth grade, but my passion, you can't outwork me. You, you, I'm, I'm going to do it because I want to do it. So with this ninth grade education, I got to take that stigma off myself because now I'm in college and now I want to be something. Now at the 42, I know what I want to be somewhat, but I can't read better than you. I'm, I'm not going to be able to spell better than you, but you won't outwork me. And that that drives me to be able to, I have to read a little bit more than you. I have to wake up earlier than you, but I would do it. Then you don't realize that you're kind of like a sponge and you're absorbing that information. But you get later down in life, you realize that, wow, they told me this when I was 15. And I didn't even realize that it resonated with me, that it was in the back of my mind. This is Chandra Mask. I think that, um, and I've said this to Donald before, uh, in order to help somebody through something, you have to go through something. You know, I can sit and I can talk to somebody who has been to school for 20 years, who's a psychologist in trauma or addiction. But if you haven't been through it, the only thing that you have to share with me is what you have from a book. So I think that oftentimes we're placed in positions of hardship and in positions of not knowing what to do so that we can look outside of ourselves and kind of learn and grow from those experiences because had he not been through what he'd been through, he wouldn't have been able to be out here mentoring to the youth, telling them that, hey, this is what addiction does to you. All he would have is a book. And I'm not trying to discredit, you know, people that go to school for all those years. Um, I simply am a firm believer that the best teacher is experience. And I'm not saying that every kid should go out there and get on drugs or, you know, do any of that thing. All I'm saying is that sometimes... We have to step outside of ourselves and go through these things so that we can be stronger and better for the future, so that we can be stronger and better for our children. Because I wasn't raised by my mother. You know, my mother cut out. She was on drugs. You know, uh, my dad was beating the mess out of us. I don't hit my kids. You know, I've never left my kids. They kind of showed me what not to do. So I never took the path that they took. You know, it was just kind of like I don't. 
I know what it feels like not to have a mother. I don't want my kids to go through that. I know what it feels like to ask my dad a question and I'm getting beat because I asked a question. Because I'm asking, why don't we have something in the refrigerator? Kind of similar to coming home, not having nothing to eat, knowing that your dad's in the military. So there's no reason why you should be hungry, you know, but you're hungry because of the decision that he made. But that right there made me not want to do those things. That steered me completely left from what I thought they were doing was right. But again, it goes back to me being around my grandparents, you know, and that that resignation because although I wasn't around them all the time, those times that I was in and out of their lives, going to church, whether it be sitting down for an hour, listening to them talk about the love of God. And and when I was a kid, it was just like, don't talk about God, I don't want to go to church. But it resonated with me. I can share that with other people now. I would not have been able to share that had I been given a silver spoon, had my mom stuck around, had my dad not have been on drugs, had my dad not have been, you know, beating us. I might have been the complete opposite of what I am today. It sounds like uh, the, the notion of, of lived experience is, is really um, what, what's important. And these children gravitate to who they can relate to, who look like them. Um, we had spoke with the principal at, at Trainer Middle School, and, and she blatantly said, you know, we're middle-aged white women trying to teach, you know, inner-city kids, and they really can't, you know, relate. There's a, there's a gap of whether it's understanding or lived experience type thing. Kids nowadays are exposed to a, to a lot more than what so-called suburban kids are exposed to. What's uh, what's next for Black Wall Street? Um, what's not? <laughs> right, right. Affecting more lives in a positive fashion. Um, setting up workshops where kids can be mentored. Um, hosting math tutorship work workshops as well, as well as workshops for the parents, the single parents that may need you know to fix their credit or learn how to purchase their their first property um a lot a lot of different things we're setting up a um DoorDash for individuals who are unable to make it due to transportation issues disabilities where we uh, load up the items that they're asked for food boxes home appliance home amenities and we do a DoorDash um, Fridays at 1301 Cordon Avenue, LL40. Uh, is, uh, Fridays will be senior day where seniors can come in and get a free for all of food and any other materials we have. Or call in. Yeah. And, and so we can put them on the list for deliveries. And what's that number? Um, 622-3612. All right. That's the number to call. All right. Yeah. Um, but not only are we a, a food pantry, a local community food pantry, but we're also a resource hub for the community. Mm-hmm. And we also want to help change some laws, and we allow her to explain the laws that we're going to try to move forward to try to press the issue on. Oh, please do. Yeah, what what is that? Um, my child was struck in a crosswalk with my nephew in 2019. Um, like so many other cases, the driver walked away and went home from the scene of the accident. Um, I just think that I know that 
we have laws for other things that they kind of grit down really tight on. Um, and a lot of it does have to do with the color of your skin, unfortunately. Um, but I've noticed that we can hold people for 12 hours for any violent crime. You know, I've been in situations where I see my neighbors fighting and the police come. And instead of finding out what went wrong, they automatically take the man to jail. And it's like, I, I, I stay out of people's issues, so I don't say anything. But it's like I sat and I watched her attack him. He has scratches all over him and he's going to jail. So now he's not only been traumatized, now he also has a record of domestic violence. So he's being held for 12 hours. They don't want to hear what the man has to say because in either the law, in a situation like that, the female is always right. So we hold him for 12 hours. Yet the message that we convey when we hit someone is you can hit someone in a crosswalk, say the sun was in your eyes or you didn't have enough time to stop and you go home. And we're told that, you know, there's no alcohol or speed or none of that was a factor. Yet you're not taking field sobriety tests at the scene of the accident. So how can we be sure and say that you are not, in fact, intoxicated? Because some of us can pass these tests with flying colors and we are intoxicated because they've learned the ins and out, especially when you're older. And so you see an elderly person that hits kids in a crosswalk, and, and instead of you taking sympathy or having some kind of feelings toward the children, you're taking sympathy toward this 80-something-year-old man, and he gets to go home with his kids, but the family's lives are shattered. And this didn't only shatter two children's lives, this shattered two families' lives. You know, so this is not just me saying we need some laws changed. This is me saying that there has to be some laws changed. I noticed that with any law, and this is not just pertaining to pedestrian versus vehicle accidents, this is lawmakers don't move until either we have a million dollars to go and bribe them with or until it is personally affecting someone that they know or that they love. Kind of a simple example is like we don't put in a crosswalk or a street sign until 10 people die you know that was the case up by UNR a bunch of people had to die on Virginia Street before they put that stoplight in and And then that still doesn't really you know we can we have a million crosswalks my daughter and my nephew were in a crosswalk it's just the message that we're conveying to the public and we're saying hey you know um you can run over a group of kids, for instance, in Sun Valley a few weeks after my daughter got hit. You can run over a group of kids and, say, and the bus is with the stop sign out. You know, we all see it, red flashing lights. The young lady went home because the sun was in her eyes. So, you know, if I get caught with a pound of marijuana and I tell the officer, I didn't even know that was in my car. I had somebody ride in my car. I'm going to jail. They're not going to take the excuse that I had somebody in my car. I mean, there's actually been instances like that. But again, it goes back to skin color. It goes back to money. It goes back to who has that money to back that power. And so, you know, as lawmakers, this is something that they are fallible for. Absolutely. They are 100% responsible for all of these accidents. They are 100% responsible for even if there is a crosswalk. I mean, I see parents drop their kids off and speed off in a school zone. Where, where are the police at? I see them harassing people. <laughs> like, come yeah. on, you know, like. Every, every day right here. Right yeah. Outside the building. Yeah. People are flying down the street and there's two schools. And they're parents. I think that's the biggest thing that I want to convey is that we're parents. So we can't say we don't know. We have two, three kids in the back. I drop kids off to Glenn Duncan and to hug every morning. 
I see the police out there harassing people, harassing students for vaping. Okay, they shouldn't be vaping, but there's a lot more pressing issues that you should be worried about, like people blowing through crosswalks. I see kids in the middle of crosswalks, and parents drop their kids off and just blow through the crosswalk. Now, you can't say you didn't see the kid because you were parked on the side of the street when you dropped your child off, but you blew through the crosswalk because, oh, that's somebody else's kid. It's okay. You know, so we can spend money as taxpayers to have these officers, Reno Police Department, Washoe County Sheriff, Washoe County School District Police. We can spend all these dollars for these people to harass people for petty incidences when you should actually be out here protecting our future. If we're not going to protect our children, then what are we doing? What's, what, are, what are all these tax dollars for? What are we doing? And you mentioned classes earlier. You, uh, some of the ones I've been aware of, you have a very wide range of classes that you're offering. Um, talk about some of those. Um, well, Donald actually came to me and asked me about um, my trauma and what I would have liked to see more of when my kid got hit. And the first thing I said was support. The community did support financially. You know, they set up a GoFundMe. They did support financially. But after three, four months, when the community forgets about it, everybody thinks you should just pick up your, your, yourself and just keep going. Like, life just doesn't keep happening. But here I am, almost three years out, and I have not been able to keep a consistent job because I have to care full-time for my daughter, who is now recovering from a traumatic brain injury. So this has been ongoing for three years? This has been ongoing for three years. We're now dealing with other medical issues that we weren't even aware that we were going to have to deal with, you know, and um, they don't have support for that. And that goes back to how we were talking about counselors, you know, looking through a book. I went to counselors. But the only thing they could tell me was what they went to school for. You've actually never experienced trauma. So this is something that um, Black Wall Street is in the process of doing now is creating some trauma classes for families, not just, you know, pedestrian versus car accidents, just trauma in general, because it could be addiction. It could be losing someone that you love. Trauma comes in all forms and fashions, but we all feel the same things when it comes to traumatic events. And I don't think that the community is really aware of that. They just expect us to keep going. Some of us are strong. You know, some of us can get up and keep going. I get up every day and I put one foot in front of the other and I keep going. Other people are not that strong. Some people need that extra you know, they need that grit. They need that support. They need someone to come and make them get up out of their bed so that they're not soaking in their depression, watching their kid go through something that, or their loved one that is, is going through something that's life-changing. And all we have is information that we're either Googling, you know, and Google Eyes, uh, or information on top of information, on top of information, on top of information from different doctors. But where's the support? Exactly. That's not support. So I can read about all this stuff, but what is it going to do to help me help my daughter? Because I can't tell you how many days that I have sat and watched my child struggle, and those are the days that I have a hard time. Because I can't, and I won't say fix her, because she is, I believe, how God intended her to be, but I can't help her. You know, I can try to love her through it, but she needs community support. She does. She needs people that look like her. And when I say look like her, I mean not only skin tone, but just people that 
are going through some kind of disability, who have been through something traumatic, whether it's somebody's mother, whether it's somebody's daughter, you know, the community needs to pull together when it comes to trauma because we're focused on very minute issues. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a big issue here in Reno, and there's not enough support. I mean, I was, I don't know if you were there, but I was at the, the vigil last night for all the homeless people that died, and um, something somebody said, I forget who it was. I mean, it was an interfaith uh, gathering, um, and this very topic was brought up, is that there's really just not enough support for people who have been victimized, experienced trauma, live in poverty or, you know, suffer from addiction, um, and that is huge. I mean, it's really rampant in this community. Yeah, I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> um, we just have a couple more minutes. Uh, what else would you like to add before we close up today? Um, just to reiterate the importance of the community cohesiveness. Um, like Sandra has said, uh, there's a lot of different little groups that's focused on little issues, but we need that community collective where everybody is feel supported welcomed and has resources that they can tap into um we deal with a lot of whether it's traumatic suffering or depression or addiction um as a village we have we have to come together and have that support as a community as a family um so many things are are broken down where people are focused on their materials and comforts that there's not enough help for those that that really need it in the community in the inner city and that's what black wall street is here to do to to provide that platform for that community like i said we're a resource center not only a, a food pantry, but you know, we host workshops and whatever we need to do to have that positive community engagement. That's what we're here for. Just to add on to what Romar just said, I think that the community is like a puzzle and Black Wall Street is glue. Hmm. We need more glue. We have the puzzle pieces. What are we going to found it with? You know, what are we going to bond it with? So that's where the community comes in. And it's not just pedestrian versus car accident. It is trauma, addiction, anything that's out there. The community is the puzzle. Black Wall Street is here to be the glue. Where's the rest of the glue? We need a crap load of it. Thank you all so much. Really appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you for having us. Taking us out this week is a new song by local band Last One Down. This song is called Everything That I Need from their single of the same name, it is available on all major music apps.
This is Reno. I am Bob Conrad. Please visit us online at thisisreno.com.